My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. Christ is risen. This morning, my, the title of my sermon is Dead Gods. Dead Gods. And I'm going to be speaking specifically from the text that we heard read from Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 18. And last week, we talked about Paul and Barnabas having to leave Antioch of Pisidia. And the Jews there stirred up trouble against them by going to some of the wealthy women of the city and some of the elders of the city uh, and stirred up uh, trouble against them due to jealousy. We remember that in the story, Paul and Barnabas went to the synagogue, as was their practice. When they would go into a new city, they would go to the synagogue always first. Uh, They would preach Jesus. And then, uh, and then basically kind of go from there. And when they went there to the synagogue on the Sabbath, they were invited to, to, to read from the prophet Isaiah, uh, read from the scriptures, and then to, to, to comment on them. And uh, they did so and preached on Jesus from the book of Isaiah and uh, readings from the Psalms. And they had some initial success. But due to jealousy, they became to be reviled. And so we talked last week about uh, rejoice, being, rejoicing in, in the good news or reviling the good news. And so they had to leave and they went to a place called Iconium, which is a little bit earlier in this chapter here, but a similar thing happened. They preached the word of God in Iconium and it was accompanied by signs and wonders by the miraculous and it caused trouble. The miraculous did not create belief. And we could actually stick on that point probably for a whole sermon, but I'm not going to do that this morning. It's interesting, though, how miracles in and of themselves in the scriptures, just because they occur does not mean that people who see it believe it. Right? When Jesus ascends bodily into heaven, what does it say? It says, but somewhat doubted. Even the evidence of their own eyes, they don't believe. And we read the story of the children of Israel where the angel of the Lord, right, embodied Yahweh himself, shows up visibly. God himself shows visibly on the mountain with smoke and fire. And what happens when Moses is gone for a little bit too long? They're like, eh, how about we make this golden calf and worship that instead? Miracles do not create faith. And so in Iconium, the Gentiles and the Jews stirred up trouble and threatened Paul with stoning. So they left for Lystra, which is where they are in the reading from this morning. And this part of the story begins with a miracle. There's a lame man there who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth. He had never walked. And while St. Paul is preaching to that group, Paul looks at this crippled man and and, and seeing he had faith, heals him. So we ask the question, brothers and sisters, who healed the crippled man? Well, God did. God did. Paul didn't heal him, but God healed him through his servant Paul. And this should make us remember in the Gospels, right? Sometimes we see Acts and the rest of the scriptures sort of detached from the Gospels, but Acts is the continuation of the story that begins in the Gospels. 
And in the Gospels, if you remember, Jesus calls the 12 together. And what does he tell them, that, what does he tell them to do? He says, uh, go out two by two, don't take any money, take a staff with you. Go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And, the, and he gives them the authority to heal the sick, to cast out demons. And he says, go. And he sends them out to the, uh, the countryside. And we know the story, right? They come back rejoicing, saying, Jesus, Jesus. Like, he, we healed the sick and even, and even the demons uh, are subject to us. And Jesus says, don't rejoice that the evil spirits are, are subject to you, but rejoice that your name uh, is written in heaven. This is the continuation of that. Which begins at Pentecost, which we'll be commemorating shortly. And once Jesus ascends, he doesn't just leave them powerless. And just like in the Gospels, the crippled man is completely and instantly made whole. He is made well. And how do you think the people responded to this? Well, they freaked out. Because if you saw a miracle like that, you'd probably freak out too. They're so overwhelmed by this that they believe that Paul and Barnabas are the personifications of the gods that they worship. They believe that uh, St. Barnabas is Zeus and they believe that St. Paul is Hermes. Because in Greek mythology, the gods would take different forms. So it makes sense that they would be seen as, well, these are the gods kind of playing around here. And Zeus, as we know, is the king of the gods. Therefore, the Romans, uh, they wouldn't have called him Zeus, they would have called him Jupiter. And the messenger of the gods was Hermes. And I, forgive me, I can't remember his, his Latin name off the top of my head. And the text tells us there happens to be a temple to Zeus right there at the entrance of the city. And so one of the things we have to remember about the ancient world is that cities had like a, a god that they were devoted to. Right? So in, when we read the book of Acts, we see when Paul goes to Ephesus... He comes up against the cult of, um, of, of Diana, which I think in Greek was uh, Aphrodite, I think. I could be wrong. And so, and in Athens, right, the god who they honored there, who was sort of like the patron of their city, Athens, was Athena, the goddess of wisdom. And so everything in the, the culture of that city revolved around the worship of that particular, primarily of that particular deity. Now they would worship the other ones as well, but that was the primary one. And so we see right here at the beginning, at the, at the entrance of the city, here's a big temple to Zeus, the king of the gods. And the king of the gods comes up against not even the, the true king himself, but the servants of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the priests of the temple come out with cows so they can offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. And when they see what's about to happen, Paul and Barnabas say, whoa, 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 they run over and they say, stop. We're just humans like you. I'm not Zeus. That's not Jupiter. Or that's not Hermes, right? They called Paul Hermes because he was the one that was talking. And they called Barnabas Zeus because he was probably just standing there looking. He, maybe he had like a really big beard or something like that. So he looked like a, like a strict old man. Who knows? We're just human like you is what Paul says. We're just here to bring you the good news of Jesus Christ. And then he calls the sacrifices vain. 
He calls those sacrifices that they were going to offer them and the sacrifices that they believe were be, they'd be offering to those gods. He calls them vain. And he calls them vain because they don't accomplish anything. They don't actually, they don't actually do anything. They then call the crowd to worship the living God that can be seen through his son, Jesus Christ. And so if Paul and Barnabas are, the, are bringing the message of the living God, then it stands to reason that Zeus and Hermes are dead gods. They are dead gods. Now notice, he doesn't say Zeus and Hermes don't exist. Right? When he goes to Ephesus, he doesn't say Diana doesn't exist. When Paul is preaching to people who worship different gods, he doesn't say your, God, your gods aren't real. He never calls their, question, their existence into question. And right, even in the Old Testament, when we, when we read the story of, um, of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, right, we love that story where Elijah's like, you bring all of your, he says to the king, you bring all of your prophets of Baal here and we're going to have a contest to see whose God is stronger. And what happens? When the prophets of Baal go down, they call out to their God and they cut themselves and they dance around to try to get him to answer do you think any of them thought that Baal wouldn't answer? No, they didn't. They thought that if they did these things, that Baal would answer. Probably because when they've done stuff, Baal had answered them before. The problem is, Baal is not Yahweh, the God of Israel. And the God of Israel is the one true God from whom all things owe their existence. Therefore, St. Paul will say in his writings, he doesn't say that the gods of the nations in these cities, he doesn't say that they don't exist. He says the gods of the nations are demons. Now when he calls them, well, he says turn from them. That the living God allowed the worship of these false gods to happen. But he still left indications of himself. Well, why would God leave indications of himself? So that when the time was right, that they could be called away from worship of dead gods to worship the true and living God. And he said, rain and fruitful harvest and good food. He says, these are all gifts that the living God has given you that point to the true and living God. And so, when we talk about dead gods. We're not saying that they don't exist. It's that they're powerless in the face of Jesus Christ. But right away, let's look at this here. When Paul and Barnabas are confronted, the first thing they do is they say, okay, God gets the glory. When Paul prays for the, the crippled man and the crippled man gets up and everyone's like, oh, this is amazing. Paul doesn't like, ooh, I'm hot stuff now. I can build a whole ministry around healing crippled people. And then he runs to, to Nordstrom's and he buys himself a white suit and starts holding miracle healing crusades. Give me a bunch of money and I'll pray for your sick people. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't look at this opportunity to enrich himself. He doesn't say, okay, uh, these cows that you're going to offer to me and Barnabas, like, uh, don't offer these to us, but how about you sell them and give us the money? 
And they don't look for ways to try to connect Zeus and Hermes to the God of Israel and to Jesus Christ. And they don't say, well, Zeus and Hermes are just different names for the same God. We're just worshiping the same God known by different names. That's garbage. If anyone ever tells you that we all worship the same God known by different names, show them the door. Gently. Or get up and leave. They don't use this opportunity to enrich themselves. They realize that simple things are God's gift, that they're a sign that God exists. In the Reformed tradition, these things are called common grace. The psalmist says that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Common grace is Good things that God has given to all of us to point to him. And St. Paul and Barnabas use this fact to point to the fact that there's a living God. The living God. And in our own day and age, brothers and sisters, there are a lot of dead gods. We just call them by different names now. The dead gods that we, no long, that, that we serve as a culture, that our culture serves, are no longer called Zeus and Hermes. However, the gods that our culture serve are still the same demonic beings that inspire people to worship them as Zeus and Hermes. In the first place, they're just wearing different masks. Here's the thing about the dead gods. They are dead and that Jesus Christ has conquered them. They are dead and that Jesus Christ has destroyed their power. They are dead gods in the sense that through his death and resurrection, Christ has dethroned them and now reigns over all things. So the power that they have is only the power that we give them. The power that they have is proportional to the amount they've been able to deceive humanity. And these dead gods are still behind a whole lot of social ills and evils that we see in our own time. In the Old Testament, there was a god, a god called Molech. And Molech was worshipped by the people of Canaan. And Molech was a god that Yahweh, the God of Israel, had particularly disdained for because Molech demanded the sacrifice of children. Now no one may actually claim to worship Molech in our modern era. No one actually says, well I'm a Molech worshiper. I mean you might find somebody here and there that might say that but they're weird. But no one actually says I worship Molech. But we still see the worship of Molech in the medical industrial abortion complex. It's the same God demanding the sacrifice of children but instead of good crops and battle over and winning battles of, over our enemies, it's for advancement in careers. But we don't serve a dead God. We serve the risen Lord, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in this passage, St. Paul looking at the crippled man and said, he saw that he had faith to be made well. This isn't just mere belief. 
This is anticipation of the hope of restoration. See, the, the work that we do as Christians is not to ally ourselves with the world. The work that we do as Christians is to stand against the world. And to say, the things that are in the world, the less of the eyes, the less of the flesh, the pride of life, these are things we stand against. And we offer a new way. We offer a better way. A better way of being human because the way that humanity is patterned in is, is in the pattern of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ whom we love and serve and strive to be like. And the, the work that we do as Christians is to awaken this in individuals. To awaken them so they can see that they need to be made well. Because the God of this age has blinded their eyes. The gods of the, this age have blinded their eyes. And Revelation, what we heard this morning, describes describes what is waiting for us. And I'm going to come back here for a second and just read a small portion. And if you come on Wednesday nights for our Revelation Bible study, you'll hear more. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And all things are being made new. That's the hope of our faith. All things being made new. The old order is passing away. So as Christians, it is our role, it is our calling to show people that they need to be made well. And that the only way that they can be made well is through faith and faithfulness to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The risen, true, and only living God. To him be glory and power and might forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Zion's Stone Church. We're in the middle of a building repair campaign, and if you'd like to help, please go to www.gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We'd appreciate anything you'd be able to donate. If you're ever in the area, you're always welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. God bless you.